and I. We, this week, we, we've laid firmly. I mean, Galatians is one continual narrative. It's not something that, that Paul broke down and had like six little subletters, and he has multiple different ideas. You can pull all the numbers... Chapter 1, chapter 6, all of them in between, all the little verses out and just read the narrative. And it's one continual idea and where uh, Paul is desperately trying to communicate to this area of Galatia that they don't have to get back into all of the human effort things that where we try to make ourselves cool with God. This whole thing is that we are free. So let's go ahead and... Bust open our notes, and I uh, have your fill-in-the-blanks there where you can follow along. And uh, this, oh, this opening thought, it's been all five. It'll be there next week. This is, if we walk away with nothing else, I want this opening thought to just get down on the inside of us. And it is, in Christ we are free. And we're free to live as children of God and not as people trying to earn forgiveness. But if we do not know that we are free, we will not live free we will not live that way it's something we have to understand and guess what the the holy spirit in our lives begins to reveal more and more areas guess what you don't have to be this way you don't have to be that way i have freed you in all those and as we're growing up as we're getting into maturity then that's what we do is we live in more and more freedom not less and less Guess what? Being more Christ-like, being a better Christian isn't living a more constrained life. It's actually living a more free life. It is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And so this week we're looking there, like I said, we're just cruising through Galatians chapter 5. And one of the first things we see is that Jesus has set us free, but we must stand firm in that freedom. And we have to stand firm in that freedom. When my wife spoke this past <clears throat> summer, she talked about standing firm. This is a concept. This is an idea that's all through the scriptures. And uh, whenever I was, I was thinking about this and just on how we, how we stand firm, because that sounds like, if we take that all by itself, it sounds like it's something that occurred. Christ did something for us and then he handed us the baton and now we have to, all of a sudden, we have to, we have to then work to, to maintain it. We've got to hold on to that baton. We've got to protect it and keep it. And we have to, all of a sudden, we get back into our own strength again. And that is not the case. And I remembered a time um, when we went on vacation growing up as kids. And uh, our, my dad grew up on, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the 50s and 60s when, you know, it was cool to be an outdoorsman. And go out and to hunt and to fish. And you, know, you remember all the Disney nature shows, you know, where just everything was about outdoors and camping and all that cool stuff. And, and so that was, what, that was what his family did. So that's what he brought us up doing. We went and did camping. That was our vacations. And I loved it and I still love it to this day. And uh, this weekend we went camping. In fact, we went camping my wife's style. It's called the Omni Suites. And... Uh, so had some had some lovely camping with king size bed and nice indoor swimming pool and that's her camping style. But our camping style growing up was camping, camping, where you go and you get on the edge of a lake and you, you have the boat tied right there right to the to the tree limb and you you do all of that. Well, we were on one of those trips, and my, one of my dad's favorite parts was scouting out the the, the right 
camp spot. And so we would have to look at all of them. And it was just this, this great thing where he was like a kid in a candy store where he'd just choose all these things. So we found the right, the right spot. Had enough grassy area, had a great place for the tent, had a place to be able to pull the boat up on. So we got all of that taken care of. And we launched the boat before we did anything else. You get the boat in the water before you get the tent out, before you get anything. So we got the boat launched, got it pulled into its spot. Then we began to set up the tent, get all of that done. And we were camping out at Inks Lake. And all of a sudden, just like, it's the, out of nowhere, this big old storm begins to pull in. And our tent shudders. And then our tent really begins to go. And then the waves start kicking up and it starts getting ugly. And obviously, we're not going to get to continue. It's not wise for us to stay camped where we are. So I was, of course, the, the oldest. I was about 13, and uh, my dad's camping gear was very precious to him, as all camping gear is. And uh, so he left me in charge of the tent that's just blowing everywhere. My sisters get loaded up. My mom gets loaded up. They go to get the, the, the my dad's going to take the boat, and they're going to load it up so we can move camp. And I'm stuck with protecting the tent where the winds get higher and higher and higher. And I'm hanging on to one, one tent pole, and the tent's just... And it's just... I mean, it looks like it's going to take off like a kite. Now, whether or not it, this was the smartest thing to do, I don't know. But at 13, it seemed pretty intelligent. And uh, that I could not hold all the tent poles down. And so I decided the best thing for me to do was to get in the tent and to just, to just lay there. And so, and just put my body weight, and then all the tent poles can flap everywhere, but I was going to keep that tent from blowing away. And uh, so there in the middle of all that storm, in the middle of all that beating down, is me. And I just, when my parents drive up, our tent is just going everywhere, except for one little spot. And that spot was where I was just laid out. And uh, later on, I had thought about what was, what was going to be somebody that was going to be observing from the outside, what they would see. And what they would see was all the world coming loose at that campsite. The waves blowing, the tent going everywhere. And then when they look at the base of what was holding everything together, what they would have seen was the figure of somebody laying out there just like this, outstretched arms, looking like Jesus on the cross is what they would have seen. And I remember when I thought back on that, it, was, it <clears throat> impacted me and, and has stuck with me forever that it's in those times that when we begin to stand, a lot of times it's not this valiant up on our feet, bowed up to what everything has for us. A lot of times this standing and being firm is simply just going back and going and before the cross. That's all sometimes it takes is we just come back to that. The stuff that Paul in this letter is talking about resisting. What he's talking about, the storms and the blow-in and all the junk that he's talking about resisting. He's talking about resisting these temptations for us that once we've begun in the Spirit, that Christ has set us free, we are a new creation to get into this place of going back into these routines of us doing what we think it takes for us to be right before God. Well, I've got to read my Bible this amount. Now, we're going, to, we're going to walk through the Bible. We're about to launch that in just a couple weeks. That is a good thing. But guess what? We're not doing it to make you right before God. We're doing it to just mature. We're doing it because we are right before God, and therefore every word that's in there is applicable to us, and we want to know it. We're not doing it to try to earn His forgiveness. 
We're forgiven. And so we want to know all that we've been forgiven us and, and how free we are. And that what we have to do in that place is we have to come back. Is, and what we have to resist is getting away from resting in that completed work of the cross. When everything goes back, all sometimes all we have to do is just rest in the cross. And the fact that it really was enough. That it really did. He really did pay the price for our sins. He really did do it. We want to get back. Sometimes the wheels begin to come off. And sometimes it's because of some decisions we did we did make. Or maybe some decisions we didn't make. And we want to go, okay, well now Jesus got me going in this. And now I've got to come and fix this. I messed up here, so I'm going to undo it. And then go, okay, God, I undid this. Now will you kind of help me out here? No. Our place is where we have to come back over and over and over again. Is that Jesus really was enough. He was enough for all our boneheaded stuff we did before Christ. He was enough for all of our boneheaded stuff we did today. And he's enough for all the boneheaded things we're going to do as we're maturing. Just like, just like. Our love as parents for our kids is enough for the boneheaded things they did yesterday and the boneheaded as they are maturing. Do we work to mature them? Yes. Do we want to see them grow? Yes. But not so that they can earn our love. See, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Don't let yourself be yoked, be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And Pastor John talked about last week what that slavery was. It showed up in two different forms. It showed up in the slavery of trying to fulfill the law. All the do's and don'ts and the little checklists we keep in our pockets. And Okay, we got to do all of these little things. And, and when I do it, I got my warm fuzzies and I feel like I'm a good Christian. And when I don't, I feel like I'm a failure and I just don't measure up, and everybody else thinks I'm a loser Christian, and all these things. We're freed from that. We're freed from that. But then he also said that there are these things called the, they refer to as just our, our, the basic principles of this world. It's just the way that we tend to go when we're not directed by the Spirit. Another churchy way of saying it is just being carnal. It's, we're free from that, too. We're free from just having to give in to every little whim and every little desire and every little lust that comes about. We're freed from that. And later on, when we walk down this passage, we're going to get to see what that freedom looks like. Because it doesn't look like a checklist completed. It's not what it looks like. It's a beautiful thing when we live in it. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. This is something that we, that we walk in. But now let's look here at 2 Corinthians. It says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. So here we stand firm, but we don't get any credit because when we're doing it, it's God working in us. Isn't this awesome? Isn't this a beautiful thing? That even this place is an act of grace from God? He anointed us and has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now, what is, what is the what is to come? Well, there's the what is to come of, of, of heaven, of being, of being with him. And so and sometimes 
Satan will come in and begin to try to make us doubt that. I've had the privilege of getting to be with people in the last parts of their life and, and watch as, as Satan has tried to, to come in to, to make people doubt that and see the beauty of the Holy Spirit come in and remind them, Mm-mm. Jesus has done it, I'm good. Not because of me, but because of what God has done. So there is that guarantee of what is to come, but there's also the next guarantee of what is to come is that he who has begun a good work and you is faithful to complete it. God's not finished. It's like the little old song with your little kid, you know, Sunday school song. The, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It is awesome that He's given us the Holy Spirit of guaranteeing us that don't get so frustrated right now. You're still growing. God's being patient with you. Be a little patient with yourself. Keep, keep some forward motion going and let the Holy Spirit do the work. It is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Because, wow, let's look at the next 2 Corinthians verse. It says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we embrace that God has filled us with his spirit, has put his spirit in us as a deposit within us, when we walk in that place, we walk in freedom. When we are listening to the spirit, we're going to live in freedom. So, how do we do that? How do we keep this, this, this thing of, the, of staying at the completed work of the cross, of the, that Jesus really was the sacrifice? Well, we just stay focused on grace. We just stay focused on grace. See, works is this thing that's trying to seep into the Galatian region. So we have to stay focused on the other part of it, which is grace. Galatians 5.4 says, You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ, you have fallen away from grace. You were there with grace and you decided, ooh, I'm going to begin to put my weight on the law. It's going to hold me up now. I'm going to be cool with God because of this whole law thing. I'm going to obey his commandments and I'm going to do what he says and now I'm cool. He, he forgave me for all my other stupid stuff. He pushed my little reset button. I've got a new try and now I'm going to get it done. Nope. Nope. We have to stay with grace. I've shared with y'all about a year ago or so about a story when uh, um, I was I was in the fifth grade. Summer going into fifth grade, and uh, I was the oldest cousin on both sides, and so um, consequently I had that thing where I had to, you know, be the, the the guy and show off and do all this stuff. And for those of y'all that have been around here, you know um, I'm not athletic at all and uh, but every once in a while I get this wild hair that I am and uh, man have you ever done that you ever just get a wild hair that you are something you're not yeah all of a sudden you feel like you can and I'm telling you I've had moments where I felt like I could dunk a basketball I felt it it's like if I really jump I'm, I'm telling you I could just dunk it I don't know what it is I don't know what starts it I don't know but I just feel like it there are times you just feel like you can just do things and you just want to go in that moment and just try it. And I, I never do. Maybe I'm missing my opportunity for athletic greatness. My wife is just saying no. Well, for some reason, now I was never a gymnast. I never trained on anything. I, I could, could do a headstand in a corner for a little bit. <laughs> and so nothing. Uh, so, but I was at my grandmother's house. My parents were going to have a weekend without the kids. Looking forward to that. Dropped us off at my grandmother's house. She had a, 
uh, pecan tree in the backyard. And then my, my other little cousin was there. And I decided I love climbing in trees. And I'd climb up in this pecan tree. And I decided I'm going to, you know, show my little cousin, you know, all my, my awesome skills and stuff I could do. Well, of course, an advantage that a tree has is that it's got all these little branches coming out. So that my balance didn't have to be that good. I could kind of lean on these branches and kind of weasel up. And I decide, of all things, I decide that I'm going to do a handstand in this tree. And so I do a, do a handstand and work my way up. Well, what I didn't realize was the limb that I was on was a dead limb. And as right as I get totally upright, and I'm yelling at my cousin, Summer, look at this! And uh, I was, uh, I, you know, she was about four or five years old, and... Uh, I'm going into the fifth grade, and man, that limb snaps. And I just rock it, just Superman style. Because I'm just perfect. And I just rock it to the ground. Boom! Break my wrist. And I'm sitting there rolling on the ground screaming. She's like, awesome! That was so good! She thought it was part of the trick. She thought I'd planned the whole thing. And uh, my parents had just got home, get the phone, and have to turn around and come back. And I, and I have to get my only broken bone of my life doing a boneheaded thing. But the whole problem was is that I decided to rest my entire weight on something that was dead. Something that just wasn't going to do it. The law, the Bible says the law brings death. But, but life is in Christ. If we're going to try to rest our whole lives on something that is dead, it isn't going to work. We're going to end up at some point or another crashed and hurt we're going to end up frustrated there are too many people who have walked away from the church because they thought that they had to live according to this this ideal and obey all these little things and i just finally look at the bible and read all those things and go i can't do it i can't do it and they walk away why because they realize that they don't measure up and then those that do it crashes out from under them and they get hurt in the process. We have to stay focused on grace. We have to. Remember the law had its place. It was showing us that we needed a savior. It was showing us that we did. And it had its place. But now that our savior has shown up. We have to stay focused on that. Romans 5 says. Therefore since we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith. Into this grace in which we now stand. That standing thing, it's a grace thing. We stay focused on the grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Another reference to God's glory, His image, when you begin to look at that. Remember, we were created in the image of God. As we allow the Holy Spirit, it begins to everything that's of our carnal nature begins to slough off. And more and more and more of that image of God that's, that's within us begins to be revealed. What a beautiful thing. The hope of the glory of God. John 1.16 says, From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Those things that our hearts are crying out for, it's not found in, in this place of, of living a, a carnal life. We realize that. But it's also not found in living this, in this religious life. It's found in living in a place of grace. That's where the blessings are. 
But then this, we have to understand then what is the purpose of this? Because so many people have used the law and what you should do as a Christian as this place to arm twist and to, to keep people in line. And even those that succumbed to it and finally did it, there was a resentment that somebody had them behind the back and was forcing them to do rather than try to do it with a smile. Love you. I don't really, oh, can't do that, do I do? I love you. No, that's not. That is not freedom. That's a whole new kind of bondage. That is not what we're called to. This freedom, though, it has a purpose. And that purpose is serving others, but not out of obligation, but out of love. It's not out of obligation. It is serving out of love. Galatians 5 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. This idea of simply serving and love is something we have to grow into. See, that is the purest kind of deal. You know, we like you, you, the, the Bible reckons our, and in a, in a, uses as analogy, our relationship with God as in a, as in a bride and a groom. Well, and it, it mirrors so many lovely things. But of course, when a, a wedding happens and a bride and a groom come together, there's, there's all sorts of expectations. This is your, and vows that are made. And these commitments that are done. And Cutie and I, when we, when we uh, stood up there in front of the people we loved and our pastor, we, we made these commitments that we were going to love and honor and be there for each other. Right? It's this place of love. Now, I entered in there without any arm twisting. I did not, there was not a shotgun wedding. The doors were not locked. I, I chose that. And to continue in that love, it should be a continual choice. Yes, yes, you can look at all the stats and see that, okay, then if we look at, at divorce, it's a, it's a negative thing on the kids, okay? We can understand that, okay? So, yeah, I don't want to go that direction. It'll hurt the kids, okay? Um, you can say, well, it's, it costs a lot of money, okay? I don't want to go that direction. It costs a lot of money, okay? We can go and all look at all sorts of things. But if I am in my relationship and I'm responding to her out of weighing all of these negative things and not wanting negative to come on, that is not an act of love. I'm not getting up every morning serving her out of a place of love and then I care for her. Guess what? The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. That's what. And so guess what? A perfect lover, I don't even think about the idea that I'm not going to look at some other woman because it would make her mad and she'd punch me in the face. And she, yeah, she nods. Anybody knows my wife knows she'd punch me in the face. And uh, anyways, but I don't do it out of, out of fear of those things. Why? Because that's not an act of love. I don't look at it because I simply only want her. It's because simply my heart is totally for her. My perfect love has cast out all that other stuff. I'm not even thinking about doing that. So I'm, there's no fear showing up and connected with it. 
That is the beautiful thing of us being able to walk in this place with God. We're not doing it out of this place of fear that we're going to tick God off and he's going to do his little lightning bolt thing and, and, and knock us out. No. This perfect love is that we understand that for God so loved us. And that while we were yet sinners, even when we were enemies, he did all of this stuff for us. Oh my gosh, it is the love of God that grips our hearts and we serve him out of that. And not out of fear. Not of this other place. And we begin to work in each other's lives the exact same way. <clears throat> See, well, otherwise what we can do is we can get into the, the, the works thing. And obviously, I'm needing to, uh, to uh, a new response to my wife, and obviously I, I do too many boneheaded things because it was fun, something funny was revealed to us while we were doing the camping in the Omni, and because uh, uh, the, the we did not have we have you know seven people in this room, and we didn't have a, quite enough place to sleep everybody, so we had uh, our youngest daughter who slept in the king size bed with us, and and uh, we're not used to having another person sleeping in our bed, and thankfully for me, Lulu decided to go towards her mama. And I slept like a baby. There's no problems on my end. I didn't have it. Nobody bothered me. But during the night, Lulu is kicking her mama and nuzzling up against her and doing all this stuff. Well, I, I had no recollection of any of this. But I get this report the next morning. And I talk about what a refreshing time of sleep I had. And uh, she, I find out there was a battle on the other side of the bed taking place. And she says, Brand, I told you that Lulu was uh, was kicking me and hurting me. She goes, and all you said was, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even remember that. What I think I finally deduced is that my subconscious has this autoplay. That if I hear her fr frustrated voice, I immediately go, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and you know what? We will do that. We will. The Galatians is about not going back into the I'm sorry's. Oh God, let me try to fix it. Oh God, oh yeah, I'll do better. Oh God, because we will do that. We will slip right back into the oh, I'm sorry God, um, let, let me fix it mode. The whole book of Galatians is about quit that. Quit that, quit that. He loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Live free and we can serve each other out of this place of freedom. See, 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say live by the Spirit, and you're not going to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We talked about the other slave, the whole print, basic principles of this earth. Live by the Spirit, and that's not a master either. It's just it's the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Galatians 5.18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not over here under the basic principle of this world, and you're not under the law. We're totally, totally free. And what are we free to? We are freed to produce the attributes that represent the God nature that is alive in us. This is the stuff we want to see in our lives. This is the good stuff. This is the stuff we want to see in other people's lives. This is the stuff we want to walk up to our spouses and our children and our co-workers and our bosses and everybody we meet and pick this out of their life. This is the good stuff. 
And we refer to it as the fruit of the Spirit. It's whenever we walk in that place of the Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit grows in our lives. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. There's no law against these. We can just totally go, just go crazy with these. There's no limits. There's no speed limits on the whole freeway of love. There's no place on patience. There's no place on these things. We are allowed to, to walk in the true fruit of these. The true fruit of these. And I learned a long time. I worked for a local nursery here. And, and man, growing up, my, my job, if I griped about anything, my job was to pull weeds. We would just pull weeds, pull weeds, pull weeds, trying to make that yard better. And um, we, weren't, we weren't nurserymen. We didn't know. Sounded looked like a good thing. Weeds are in the way. I found out from this nurseryman that, you know what's the best thing? He says, in a good, healthy ground, weeds can't compete with grass. They'll choke it out. So quit freaking out about the weeds and fertilize and water fertilize and water and watch that grass healthy grass getting what it needs begin to choke it out see that's the beautiful thing is in the spirit when we don't we quit worrying about all we get fixated on the little weeds and we want to pick all, pick all the little weeds out of our lives i tell you what let's put the the good word into our hearts let's let's allow the spirit to to water our lives let's do those things and as we go we're going to look up there's going to be fewer and fewer and fewer weeds that's what God does. That's the work that God does in our lives. See, Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We here at Celebration Church are about moving forward. You need to move forward with the Holy Spirit. He's not trying to arm twist you to serve somebody or Him. He just wants to produce more of this in your life. And you know what? When we understand how free we are, all this stuff begins to go. When we understand we can cast our cares onto God, how much more patient can we be in life? Patience shows up. We, patience shows up. It begins to grow in our lives when we have this, this good ground of resting on the completed work of God. It is a beautiful thing. That's why we're, I'm excited about this opportunity that we have, that we're going to start on Easter, that everybody should have got this a New Testament on audio. If you didn't get it, get it on the way out. We're going to be passing it out. We want everybody to have it ready. You can go on to Bible.is. There are uh, iPhone apps. There are Android apps. You can do it all out. There are just so many options. You can put this in there. It's now it's an MP3 format. So uh, older CD players, it won't work in. But it will usually work in your computer. It will work in your DVD player. Lots of different options. Get it ready. Figure out how it works in your life. Get it ready. Because on Easter, we're going to take 40 days. See, one of the things a lot of people don't know is that Jesus didn't Easter Sunday come out of the grave and then, boop, just shoot off to heaven forever. He actually spent 40 days hanging out with his disciples, completing some teaching, getting them ready for their assignment. So you know what you and I are going to do? We're going to take 40 days together. After we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, to just take in his word. 
you know what, this doesn't, have, this doesn't have to take away from your other Bible study. You can listen to it as you're driving around. You can do it as you're cleaning the house or doing the dishes or any of this kind of stuff. Just take it in. Just take it in. We've got stuff for the kids too. I'm so excited about us doing this together. It's going to really, I believe it's going to impact our lives. Now this morning we want to make sure that everybody's at the starting gate because this whole life change it begins by embracing our Savior. Remember we talked about that the, 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 the law points out we just don't quite measure up and we need a Savior. We have to embrace Jesus in the completed work. We're not free until we say, yes, I'll take the freedom. Until we embrace it. Until we say, you know what, I don't need this. I don't need my own strength. I don't need all these other things. God, I thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins and I, need, I needed that. And that now I am yours and you're mine. And if you haven't done that, we want to make that opportunity right now. So if everybody could bow your heads, we want to create a quiet moment here. We want to create this moment. And if that's you and you say, hey, Brandon, I, I, I need that. I've understood. I've heard about Jesus. But you know what? I haven't said, yeah, I'm going to take that freedom.